You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. We are continuing our uh, our series of the top five players at every position in the history of your Detroit Tigers. Today, we're going to take on center field. Look at me, gotta be center field. That was just a, uh, check out my mixtape. I'm just kidding, I don't have a mixtape. I can't sing for anything. Um, I am incredibly exhausted and tired, so this will be a fun little episode. Um, Really, it just comes down to the fact that I am the host of two shows in this area, for those of you who don't know. Uh, I have this show. Thank you guys for your support. It means the world to me at Locked On Tigers. And then I have uh, I am also one of the two hosts at Locked On Red Wings. And at the present moment, neither league is playing. And it's not like there it's the off season where like there's drafts to talk about and free agency and like trades, like both leagues are literally just shut down. So I am incredibly tired of trying to pull teeth and think about what on earth I am going to talk about for two different daily half hour shows every single day. It is, it is uh, at least for the Tigers, like I have this little, um, this nice little, I don't know, segment's not the right word, but little whatever that has taken over the last, what, week and a half, two weeks. By the end of it, it'll be two weeks. So that's semi-helpful. It at least gets me two weeks out of the way, but, but my goodness, it is, it is not, it is not fun having to consistently think of content for for two different leagues on two different shows that neither of which are actively doing anything at the moment so I'm very tired and uh, when I get tired I I just get slap happy so if I laugh I people already say I laugh too much in general if I laugh even more so I apologize I guess but uh but we're back for center fielders and that's what we're gonna do today the top five center fielders in the history of the Detroit Tigers. Now, this one for me was maybe the easiest one and not in the sense of like the Tigers have never had any good center fielders, so it was just easy to throw five together. I think there is a very clear top five and mm, there's a very clear top four. Five you could maybe interchange with a few different players. But there's an incredibly easy top four, like non-debatable guaranteed four. Now, the ranking of those four, I guess, could go a few different ways. Uh, but one is, uh, number one in center field is one of the easiest things we'll do in this entire countdown. Uh, besides only rivaled by, I guess, maybe Trammell at shortstop. Um, so that was super easy for me. Two and three was pretty easy 
four was a lock. And then, like I said, five, I, I'm confident in my five, my number five. And I, I think uh, it's it's pretty easy to make an argument that he's five. But I guess, in theory, there could be a few no, uh, other people there. Just one of the, the easier, like the pieces aligned and the, and the chips fell in the correct way very, very easily for center field. Um, and it, again, it's because all these players are great, not because... Uh, not, not for an opposite reason, not because there, there are never been any good tiger center fielders. There's been a plethora. Um, it was just, it, it seems to be that there's been in my eyes, five pretty clear top five. That was very redundant. I'm sorry. Okay. So let's get into it. Shall we coming in at number five, the fifth greatest center fielder in the history of the Detroit Tigers, Mickey Stanley, Mickey Stanley, was the Tigers' center fielder for um, a many years. Um, only played for the Detroit Tigers his entire career. Was a rookie in 1964. Retired after the 1978 season. So he was the starting center fielder on that 1968 World Series team. And 1968, at age 25 for him, was the uh, by far, honestly... The best year of his career. Um, Mickey Stanley was not a incredible hitter by any stretch, but he was a four-time Gold Glove winner. Um, gold Gloves. Everybody knows my opinion of of the history of the Gold Glove. So take that as you will. Uh, we don't have the c- crazy analytics and all that that we do today about how good of a defender. Somebody really is, but won four, three gold gloves in a row in center field from 68 to 70, and then won another one in 1973. Uh, real, I mean, again, not a, not a very good hitter really at all, to be completely honest with you. Uh, career se- 675 OPS, a career 298 on base percentage, 248 average, and 377 slugging for those who can't do math really quickly um 117 career home runs had a few double digit home run seasons though uh and in 1968 had a 675 ops with some pretty darn good defense to go along with it and had a 3.2 war in 1968 and that would be like i said uh by far the the best year of his career one of only two times in his three times, sorry, in his entire career that he would have a WRC plus of over a hundred was in 1968 um, when he had a 259 average, hit 11 homers, 311 OBP. Uh, the other times were 1966 at 23 years old, and then in 1971 at uh, at 28 years old. So, make the the thing first off, starting center fielder for a team that won a World Series. All the credit in the world, beauty. Mickey Stanley was a was a was a damn good ball player. Not not trying to uh, take anything away from him at all. Six point eight percent walk percentage to a ten point three percent K percentage. Uh, not bad. I mean, for for as inefficient as he was at the plate, as far as production and results, wasn't striking out a ton. I mean, a, a good majority of the first half of his career was uh, was single digit. K percentage. So 
really it just came down to a immense lack of power and a a he wasn't striking out but he wasn't drawing too many walks either a pretty low on base percentage in his career but being a a solid defensive center fielder when you're on a team with a bunch of dudes that can hit you don't really need a a a ton of offensive production out of your center fielder when you have the the likes of of Willie Horton and Al Kaline and Norm Cash and everybody else in that lineup you know you you don't you will gladly take defense over offense at a premier position like center field where defense is so important um at, at when when the lineup is already producing enough offensively and the fact that one of his more productive offensive seasons of his career, the, the best season of his career period, um, came in 1968 when pitching dominated, is, is pretty fascinating. So Mickey Stanley is a, is a fascinating player to, to look into for me personally, just because I'm a nerd. Um, I, uh, I, I have all the respect in the world for him, and like I said, no, no greater honor than being the starting center fielder of, uh, of a team that would win a ring. And he was a staple in center field for a long time. And that's the other thing, man, that credit where credit's due. Being the starting center fielder for a team for, what, 15 years is pretty remarkable. And, and he was the center fielder for, for almost all of that. And uh, he, he had 1,100, over 1,100 games in center field, about 80 in right field, 40 in left field, had 70 games at shortstop at the end of his career, because why not? Uh, 18 games at third, four games at second, uh, almost 100 games at first. That was, again, once he got uh, you know a little bit older, they, they tried playing him at some different positions. But even, even toward the end, he was still logging games in center field. Um, so uh, it became somewhat of a... Of a of a not journeyman's not the right word. What am I trying to say? Utility man, pretty pretty effective utility man toward the end too. Mickey Stanley was was the dog, and uh, he he's going to come in as our fifth ranked center fielder in Detroit Tigers history. Get into the rest of the list right after I tell y'all about Bill Barr. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, and if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include a Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or just straight up taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy? But it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just straight up not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compared to a candy bar, which usually is about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all of your favorite secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, the car, wherever. Throw out all your sugary, calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least have something that tastes good 
and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check it out at Built.com to see what's new. Go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to segment two of Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. We're going to get into the rest of our top five center fielders in Detroit Tigers history. Coming in at number four, we have a uh, an old friend. An old friend of uh, anybody that has watched the Tigers over the last decade. Austin Jackson. Ajax was the man. You want to talk about one of the most underrated defenders in, uh, dare I say, the history of the organization? Putting him in the same breath as Brandon Inge? Prime Austin Jackson was one of the best defenders in all of baseball at any position. He had... In 2010, he had 12 defensive runs saved. In 2011, he had 26 defensive runs saved and an 8 UZR. The remainder of his Tigers career, he would have a plus 6 DRS in 2012 and a plus 2 in 2013. And then he would start his decline and, and was never until 2018, when which was the last year of his career. He was never a liability in center field even after the decline, but in his prime, there are very few players that were better defensively at the position of center field than Austin Jackson. And depending on what stats you use, right, we like to mix and match and uh, accommodate everybody. Um, Austin Jackson has the most defensive war of any center fielder in Tigers history. So there's a lot of different metrics that back up the fact that Austin Jackson is, it was one of the best defenders on the planet in his peak. And that certainly raised his value a boatload during his Tigers career, played four full seasons for the Tigers, got traded at the 2014 deadline for David Price. As we all remember, um, certainly was, was not, uh, not he struck out a lot okay but he struck out a lot but he wasn't a bad hitter like his wrc plus in his four years for the tigers 101 as a 23 year old rookie 87 in 2011 which is a shame that his worst offensive season really is only bad offensive season in a Tigers uniform came when he had like an unbelievably borderline historic defensive season. 2012, he had a 134 WRC plus and a 300 batting average. And then in 2013 had a 108 WRC plus his war for those four years, 4.1 war as a 23 year old rookie Two and a half war in 2011, a 5-1 war in 2012 when the Tigers made the World Series, and a 3-2 war in 2013. I mean, these are all-star 
caliber caliber seasons or at at worst borderline all-star caliber seasons i mean these are phenomenal seasons to get out of your out of your massive plus defensive defensive center fielder and that like i said that paired with ops's of 745 as rookie year 690 in 2011 as we talked about, then an 856 OPS in 2012 and a 754 in 2013. Um, I mean, 27 stolen bases as a rookie, 22 stolen bases in 2011. uh, Was definitely fast. He he was fast, but he didn't really know how to steal. It was a weird thing, especially in the last two years, 12 stolen bases and 8 stolen bases. You, you would think that with all the speed that he had, he could fly, that he would have stole a lot more bases. But uh, that stolen bases is an art, and that's a conversation for a different day. But um, Austin Jackson deserves so much credit and is, is I, I think, is one of the more overlooked players of that era of Tigers baseball because he was – he, he was obviously, as we've talked about a billion times, and I was so phenomenal in center field defensively. And should he have been the leadoff hitter with how much he K'd? Maybe not. Like, he wasn't walking a ton and was striking out a boatload. But, like, I, I, he, he was a good hitter. Like, he it, it's just he was a little ahead of his time, you know, and today – People don't even care how often you strike out in today's day and age. You can strike. He had a 24.1 career K percentage. And with the Tigers, it was 25, 27, 21, 21. That's high. But, I mean, we see people who are all-stars that strike out almost 50% of the time these days. Like, he, he was just a little bit ahead of his time and, and uh, just immensely valuable. I mean, those war numbers are, are in that four-year stretch are, are pretty remarkable. And uh, he he deserves a ton of credit, and will always be one of uh, one of my favorite players. I think everybody everybody loves Austin Jackson. Another player that everybody loves, uh, one of my my mom's I want to say her second favorite Tiger of all time, only behind Al Kaline, Curtis Granderson coming in as our third best Tiger, third best center fielder, Tiger center fielder. I couldn't talk there for a second. In Tigers history, played, what, six years for the Detroit Tigers from 2004 to 2009, and then was traded for Austin Jackson. So, uh, got pretty pretty good deal, I would say, trading the third best center fielder in the history of your franchise for the fourth best center fielder in the history of your franchise and a first ballot Hall of Fame pitcher. I would say that trade worked out. That being said, the Grandy man absolutely can. And in his peak, there was maybe no one more fun to watch in all of baseball than Curtis Granderson. I mean, the the, the list of accolades goes on and on and on. 344 career home runs, 937 career RBIs, 153 career stolen bases, a career OPS of 803. Um, the I mean, the the seasons that he put up. I mean, he was making history, right? I, I don't know how many people remember the uh, the infamous what was it 2020 2020 or something ridiculous. He had uh, 
in 2007 when he had 38 triples, 23 triple, sorry, 38 doubles, 23 triples, 23 home runs, and 26 stolen bases. The list of players who have done a 20 double, 20 triple, 20 homer, 20 stolen base season, you can count on, I believe, one hand. I think it's either five or six. It's not too many people. Uh, an unbelievable company. Um, got 10th in MVP voting in 2007, which is asinine. He had a 302 average to be paired with a 913 OPS that was also paired with a plus 14 Defensive run saved in center field and a 15.3 UZR. He was a borderline elite defender with borderline elite offense. After doing a 2020-2020 season, he had an eight-war season in 2007. All of that and got 10th for MVP voting. Absolutely asinine was robbed. I'm not going to come on here and say he should have won MVP, but like he should have been significantly higher. He should have gotten votes. My goodness, what a joke. Um, 2007 was also, I mean, Maglio had a phenomenal season. Polanco had a phenomenal season. And A-Rod had, a, had an ignorant season. So uh, there was a lot of good talent in the American League that year. But 10th? 10th. Absolutely preposterous. Curtis Granderson, man. Well, every everybody's favorite from that era. Everybody loves Curtis. And uh, the trade was heartbreaking at the time, but like I said, I think it worked out pretty well. He goes to New York and and uh, I mean his last year in Detroit he hit 30 home runs and stole 20 bases. And then he goes to Detroit and they go, you know what? Yeah, you're you're gonna we're, we don't care about your batting average. You're gonna hit a really low average and just try to hit as many home runs over the short porch as you possibly can and put a couple of 40 home run seasons together. Um, 120 RBI season in 2011. Phenomenal human being. Phenomenal center fielder. 47.6 career WAR out of Curtis. Uh, has a very easy argument to be second on this list. Um, Curtis, Grandy man can Grandy is absolutely the man. Love that man to death. We are going to head into our final segment and break down the top two. But first I got to tell you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues to march right through the college bowl season and into the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one Spot for all your sports action this season. Head to the website or to use your mobile device today and sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers, ranking the five greatest center fielders 
in Detroit Tigers history. Uh, coming in at number two, we might as well just get right into it. Coming in at number two is another player that maybe I just love center fielders, man. Another one of my favorite players of all time, Chet Lemon. Chet Lemon would retire with 52 career war. I don't know if people realize that. Uh, and that's why I put him on here. I, I think there's a there's an immense amount of disrespect in the Chet Lemon camp. 52 career war on baseball reference, 55 career war. Only a three-time all-star with those numbers was the starting center fielder for the World Series champion. 1984 Detroit Tigers, 797 career OPS. That is a 121 career OPS plus, 355 career on base percentage, 273 career average, uh, 215 career home runs, 58 career stolen bases. Wasn't much of a base stealer, but did have speed. Don't get it twisted. Uh, A doubles machine, almost 400 career doubles. Led the league in doubles in 1979 with 44 um, he, Chet Lemon was a character, right? Like ever, everybody loved Chet Lemon. Chet Lemon was, was the dude led the league in hit by pitches a bunch, by the way, like a quarter of his career. He led the league in hit by pitches. Um, the ma- made famous for being the dude that would always slide head first into first base was, uh, was a heck of a personality was a hell of a ball player. And I, I think he is maybe one of the most underrated players in the history of the Detroit Tigers. He might, if you asked me to like, like first, first person that comes to mind when you think of most underrated players in the history of this entire organization, Chet Lemon might be the first name out of my mouth. I'd have to do some research. I'd have to look up and, and think if he was my final answer, it would take me a little bit of time. But just first instinct, he would probably be the first name out of my mouth. I mean, 52 career war. I don't think anyone puts him in the same category as the the Trammels and the Whitakers and the Jack Morrises and, and even Kirk Gibson of that era. And, and I'll be damned, he deserves it. He is, I mean, the war numbers by season, right? He came to Detroit. He, he was a White Sox for the first five, six years of his career from 75 to 80. Comes to the Tigers, plays from 82 until he retires after the 1990 season in Detroit. Had a 2.1 war, by the way, his age 35, 1990 season, his last year. He had a 2.1 war. His war by year, okay? Starting in 82 when he came to the Tigers. 3, 2, 5.6, 6.2, 3.7, 3.4, 2.5, -1 and then 2.1. He was inarguably one of the most valuable players on this team and one of the most important reasons that they were the 84 Tigers. And that, that he had a 6.2 war in 1984, man. 287 average uh, to be paired with a 357 OBP, almost a 500 slugging percentage. That's an 852 OPS while being a massive plus defender as well. 
so uh, uh, disrespected is, is seems like too harsh of a word, but so overlooked and absolutely deserves to be in that same breath of talent as all the big name players from that era that everybody remembers. And I just feel like he doesn't get the credit that is most certainly due to him. So Chet Lemon is going to come in as our second best. 52 career war, man. Chet Lemon's going to come in as our second best center fielder in Tigers history. And number one, we don't even need to make this one super long. Because like it's it it's probably the most obvious one of any position we'll ever do. He had okay, so just just for the record, okay, if, if you were to to put in a in a column and rank the career war at center field for every single player that's even played one game at center field for the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Chet Lemon acquired 29.2 war as a center fielder for the Detroit Tigers. Curtis Granderson, 20.2. Austin Jackson, 16.6. Mickey Stanley, 11.5. Okay, so Chet Lemon's second at 29.2. Pretty comfortably second. Ty Cobb acquired 143 war as the center fielder for the Detroit Tigers. He has 120 more war than second place on this list. Asinine. Absolutely insane. And and uh, 149.3 career war played uh, two years for the Philadelphia Athletics at the very end of his career at 40. Put up a four and a half almost war season at 40 years old for Philly. <laughs> um, I mean, just... Uh, Three double-digit war seasons, 10.3 in 1910, 11 in 1911, and 11.5 in 1917. A 366 career average, a 945 career OPS. Uh, I, I mean, there's not too terribly much to say. 117 career homers wasn't an era where too many people outside of George Herman Ruth we're hitting very many home runs, but was a doubles and triples machine. Uh, was an RBI machine, almost 2,000 career RBIs. And famously, most famously, well, as far as on the field product goes, most famously, most famously had the career stolen base uh, record for half a century. Lou Brock broke it, I believe, in the 70s. And uh, he and Ty Cobb retired in 1928. So, a a I mean, we we're gonna stay off of the off the field stuff and uh, him as him as a human being. We'll avoid that. But I mean, there is no denying that he is one of the immorals in all of baseball. Was part of the inaugural Hall of Fame induction, the inaugural Hall of Fame class. Um. Wasn't pictured because he, again, that, that has to do with his personality. We're going to avoid that. I mean, truly just one of the most, uh, I mean, dominant, one of the, the best all around. And you talk about five tool, just one of the best players in the history of this game dominated his era. Like nobody other than George Herman Ruth. I mean, Babe Ruth is literally the, the, the only person from this era that can even 
uh, compete with Ty Cobb on a production level. And um, again, like we we can argue till we're blue in the face about if these players played today, would they even be any good? Whatever. He 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 can't help when he was born. For the era that he played in, he dominated like almost nobody in baseball history has dominated their respective era. You can probably count on both hands, maybe even only one hand, the amount of players that dominated the era they played in quite as much as Ty Cobb did. And he is comfortably not even close. Obviously, for all those fans out there who love when I say that, the greatest center fielder in Tigers history. And I would be pretty hard-pressed to uh, to say that that is ever going to change. He will probably always be the greatest center fielder in Tigers history. He has uh, played before there was numbers, so doesn't have his number retired, but has his name out there on the brick wall, has his statue in left field, infamously raising the cleats, as he was, uh, like I said, so famous for cleating the uh, man who was covering second base when he would steal might have been an asshole, but uh, my goodness, could he play the game of baseball? So Ty Cobb coming in as the greatest center fielder in Tigers history, maybe the easiest one we'll ever do. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Next episode, tomorrow, we're going to go to right field, which is a stacked position in Tigers history. We have had, We have been spoiled with so many great right fielders. Um, so that'll be a super fun one today though. Make your second listen locked on bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs locked on bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling free and available on all platforms. Honorable mentions for center field real quick. Um, we're going to give one to Barney McCoskey, uh, G Walker. Um, who else? Rajai Davis. Sure. Al Simmons. Absolutely. Center fielder, Al Simmons. Damn right. Um, Juan Encarnacion, I guess, maybe. Uh, oh, here we go. Cameron Maben, one of only a handful. One of my favorite Cameron Maben stats. He's one of only like four or five Tigers in Tigers history to Homer for the Tigers in three different decades. But. He's only played for the Tigers for like four full, three seasons, four seasons. He just keeps coming back. Love Cameron Megan. Uh, and then my last one is going to be Nook Logan because uh, he was one of my favorite, one of my first favorite players. Couldn't hit for the ball out of the infield. Couldn't really hit that well in general. Um, wasn't even really a great defender, but was one of the fastest human beings that I've ever seen on a baseball field. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for rocking with me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. We'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. For right field. Go Tigers.